Welcome back, everyone, to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo and Joe Resinello. Oh, you're exactly right, Joe. We work for the man upstairs as you do. You're setting me up quite well. You just gave me an alley-oop. The greatest revolutionary act you can commit right now is to open your mouth and speak the truth. Whether you're an academic or you're a regular guy, we have to be fearless. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach. Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to The Frontline with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo, as always, joined by Joe Resinello. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network. 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial, spreading the truth of the Catholic faith to the New York City metropolitan area. We'd also ask you to please download the Veritas Catholic Radio Network mobile app so that you can have access to all of our station's content, not just the front line with Joe and Joe. And we'd love your feedback. If you want to tell us what you think about not just Joe and Joe, but also the, the station in general, uh, we are an EWTN affiliate. We have great programming, but whether you love us, hate us, or anywhere in between, go on VeritasCatholic.com, VeritasCatholic.com. There'll be a section there uh, for you to uh, provide for us some feedback, and we greatly appreciate that. And finally, follow Joe and I, please, on social media, The Frontline with Joe and Joe, The Frontline with Joe and Joe on YouTube. That's our primary channel there. Um, and like, subscribe, share, do all that fun stuff. And today's a very important conversation. Um, and we're going to be talking with Jim Kavnar. He is the president of Cross Catholic Outreach, okay? And they are doing some great work, and that's why we wanted to have Jim on the show. And we're going to tell our audience exactly what Cross Catholic Outreach does. Uh, but very quickly, I want to uh, give a brief introduction for Jim. After graduating from Notre Dame with a degree in theology, Jim worked in campus ministry at the Catholic Parish of the at the University of Michigan. He then helped found and lead an Ann Arbor-based ecumenical lay community of 3,000 members promoting evangelization and spiritual renewal nationally and internationally, and out of it grew Servant Ministries, an international mission organization and publishing company he helped develop and lead for 20 years. Now, in addition, Jim served eight years as executive director of a Christian relief and development ministry called Food for the Poor. Uh, he helped to build it into the fastest growing major charity in the United States. And in 2001, Jim and a small group of colleagues launched cross-Catholic outreach to support parishes and ministries that directly serve the world's poor in their own communities. Now, under Jim's leadership, cross-Catholic outreach grew from a fledgling enterprise to a Vatican-endorsed charity in dozens of countries. By channeling hundreds of millions of dollars in grants and relief supplies through this grassroots network, cross-Catholic effectively meets the immediate and long-term needs of the poor. Jim Kavnar, Welcome to the front line with Joe and Joe. Oh, it's great to be with you. Thank you. Jim, we always begin with a prayer because all good things start with prayer in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who sought your help or sought your intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, we fly unto you, a virgin of virgins, our mother. To you we come, before you we stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not our petitions, but in your clemency hear and answer us. Amen. In the name Saint of the Francis Father. St. Francis of Assisi. Pray for us. Pray for us. Jim, before we talk about the subject at hand, um, clearly this subject is personal to you. I mean, just from the bio that Joe just read, I mean, you have a love for the poor. There's no question about that. It's a passion. Where did you get it from? Did you always have it? I don't think I always had it, but I realized as I began to visit the poor and I began to work with food for the poor, I went to Haiti, Jamaica, and Guyana, you know, two or three times a month. And I, I would be very touched not only by their poverty, you know, which was so extreme compared to anything I'd ever seen in the U.S., but also by their faith. I remember talking to a homeless woman one time, but standing in a bread line for the Salvation Army in Jamaica and asking her, you know, I just walked up and I said, how are you doing, ma'am? She says, well, I'm, and she looked very depressed. She's looking down, very dirty. And she looked up and she said, oh, I'm just thanking and praising God. And I said, really? And she said, yeah, my husband died 22 years ago. And every day since, I've just asked God to help me, and he's never failed me. 
And I thought, this is a homeless woman on this, you know, in a, in a food line on the streets. But I just, you know, you just couldn't help but have compassion for those who are great in great need. And I realized, you know, as this was going on, the influence of my uncle and aunt, they, uh, he founded uh, St. Vincent de Paul Society in the Diocese of Lincoln, you know, and ran it for years. Back in the 40s, they, they adopted five children who were mixed race, African-American, Native American. Uh, he was a baker who got up, you know, <laughs> you know, uh, it early, early, like one o'clock in the morning to bake. And then he would still be taking blankets to people at night and all. And I think his witness had a, an effect on me that I didn't realize till later. Absolutely. That's good. <laughs> That's that is incredible. powerful. Um, it really is. You know, I, I, I just want to, I have a million things I could comment on. The first thing I'll say is you mentioned that woman. Um, I've worked in the third world myself. And I remember when I was in Haiti, it was Saturday night. And they were, I can't even say, it's, it's just like insane. They were shining their shoes. All the shoes were outside the door. And I said to myself, these people have old shoes. We don't do that in America. I'll never forget that. Like, like they were doing their best to go to mass and they had like rags. All the shoes were outside. And I just said to myself, oh my gosh. Like, and, and the poor, when you encounter them like that, you say to yourself, because we, listen, we're so blessed in this country they're going in first like mother Teresa used to say I am friends with the they'll defend me in front of Christ and I believe that like there's no question in my mind that those we have no idea from the west uh talk about that I mean like like in terms of like westernized I mean here you are you know you're a gifted person you went to Notre Dame you know Joe and I have you know, had Catholic educations, we have good jobs, we have comfortable lives. People in the West have no idea what people are dealing with. That's absolutely true. I mean, in the U.S., no matter how poor you are, you can always find water to drink that's safe and isn't going to kill you. You can walk into an ER in the country, and by law, they have to give you the best medical care in the world. You can go into a hospital. If you don't have any money, they're still going to take care of you. You can always find a toilet to use or almost always find a toilet to use. But you go into these countries and you find people who have no source of clean water. The water that they drink is, is dirty. It's, it has parasites. It has viruses in it. Their kids get sick. They get sick. They don't have a toilet. They use the bush. And when it rains, you know, it runs into the whatever water sources there are, their streams or little ponds or whatever, contaminates them. They had no medical care. I've, I've been in places like you, Joe, in Haiti. You know, I was in a hospital there one time. Uh, well, several of them, but this particular one, they had no medicine whatever in the hospital. No medicine. So if a person came into the hospital, they had to bring their own sheets, blankets, et cetera. There was none provided. If they wanted to eat, their family had to bring them something to eat. There was no food provided. The doctor might eventually see them. They might be there two or three days. The doctor would come and see them and give them a prescription, but they had no medicine in the hospital. So they had to go somewhere else. And if they had no money, they couldn't buy the prescription. You know, I, I remember uh, a boy there who lost his leg because it got infected went to the hospital, the doctors gave his father a prescription. They had no money, they couldn't buy it. They never could deal with the infection and eventually he lost his leg because of it. So the level of poverty and destitution is just, you know, sort of breathtaking. And uh, it's just on a different level than anything we see in the US. Jim Kavnar is joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. <clears throat> Joe Pasillo and Joe Racinello, we're in the breach. We're talking about cross Catholic outreach and Jim is the president of that organization. Jim, I have a, I don't think a simplistic question. I have a simple question, okay? Because mm -hmm. I think I think poverty um, in many ways is politicized. Um, we, we See, we're talking about it as people who are commanded by our blessed Lord to feed, to feed the poor, okay? He said that. He said, if you don't feed them, that means you didn't feed me, okay? <laughs> we know that as Catholics. Um, but a lot of the times I think the poor are exploited 
on many different fronts, okay? What, what in your view, or given your extensive experience, what in your view is the major source of poverty in some of these countries? Take Haiti for an example. Well, I have a theory or a hypothesis. Corrupt I love government. to hear it. I love corrupt to hear government. it. Corrupt government. Corrupt government. See, I've always, I'm glad you're saying that because then I want you to explain this. My, my view is this, and this is not a political statement. It is not, okay? Because I don't think either, either party in America could solve poverty, okay? Um, but, but are the systems that are in place, the political economic systems in place, okay, in many of these countries, keeping these people poor? Well, the political and economic systems don't do much to help them. We can certainly say that. But when I say corrupt governments, because I've, I've been in places like, let's take Guyana on the northern coast of, uh, of South America. Okay. I met a businessman on a plane one time, you know, and uh, I learned a lot from him and I learned a lot from the people I knew in Guyana. Basically, they cannot uh, make a, a living. They cannot start a company and make money because the government basically wants the money. The government is insisting. I, I said to him, you know, something about, uh, you know, the uh, lack of uh, that the government, you know, is interfering with the ability to make a living or to start a new company or whatever. And he said, yeah, he said, basically, they don't want any in this country. They don't want anybody who to do well, to do better than anybody else, you know, and they basically you know, will interfere. And he gave me examples of businesses he started that were making money. The government shut them down because they weren't getting any money from them. Mm. So he worked it out that they could get 90% of his, of his revenue and they still shut him down because he was better off than other people were. And so it was just the corruption of the government and desire for their own, you know, well-being prevented people from prospering. And uh, you see it in Haiti, even Haitians who've come to the U.S. and been very successful, go back there to start companies and try to employ people. And their biggest obstacle is corruption in the government. And I've, see, I've, I've, I've talked to ones that have basically given up and left the country again because they couldn't get anywhere. See, I, I mean, me personally, I don't if, if you want to be a corrupt government, you could you could put in a particular tax on those businesses and you could get some money. I mean, some people would say that that's, you know, a certain level of corruption with fees and things like that. But to prevent a, a, a yes, a company from setting up shop, from employing people again. Jesus said, the poor will always be with you. So we're always going to have to feed the poor. There, but this is a poor that that many times this poverty could be alleviated to a certain degree if they would allow a, 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 a system that, that would help people because then more resources would pour in. You wouldn't have dirty water. You'd have companies going there to clean up the water. You'd have all sorts of things. But I'm glad you said that because, because again, a lot of the times um, I think people say, well, what's the source of poverty? A lot of the time it's just people that are crushing the, the, these poor people, these these corrupt governments. Um, I didn't mean to go off on a on a tangent there, Jim, but I, I certainly valued your opinion on that. Joe Rasinello. I want to talk about something that is on the library. I went to the University of Scranton, and on the library it said, those who've been given much, much is expected. We are the most generous country probably in the world, Americans. I mean, I don't have the statistics, but I would probably bet it. But Catholics could do more. And the social compendium of the Catholic Church lays that out. Our, what are to Joe's point, what we have to do. But sadly, like your uncle, that's a great story because he wasn't rich. He was a baker. He was a baker, but he understood that. We like, let's talk about what's in that document because I don't think people take it serious to be truthful with you or even have read it, but it's, it's there. <laughs> and it's, and, 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 and in fairness, I don't think people have that experience. They haven't seen what you have seen, what I have seen, and they don't like really pay it much attention from the television. You have to smell it. You have to see it with your own eyes. Talk about what the document says, though, from a Catholic perspective, uh, perspective what the teaching says. Well, the compendium of the social doctrine of the church is a compilation uh, of all the various social teaching of the church. The, the beginning of social teaching of the church was in uh, 1890 with the Rerum Novarum, 
the famous encyclical by Pope Leo XIII. That's really where the basic principles of, of Catholic social teaching are first enunciated, the dignity of the human person, that everyone is made in the image and likeness of God. Everybody has intrinsic value that must be respected. The, the, uh, the doctrine of solidarity, or the, it's a virtue. Solidarity is a virtue, a moral virtue, meaning that you care about others and not just yourself that you're willing to take concern for others in your society and around you, and not just how they can benefit you, but for your, you desire the good of the other person. You know, and then subsidiarity, which is a fundamental principle for us, meaning because we always work through by empowering the local church in these poor countries. We don't send Americans over there with their bright ideas of how they can fix everything. We empower the local church that's already there, already committed to the poor, already making heroic sacrifice. And we can provide resources to enable them to be more effective. But the, the Catholic Church teaching on charity and the poor, you might be surprised to hear this. There is only one encyclical in the history of the Catholic Church devoted to charity. And that's the one written by Pope Benedict the 16th, his very first encyclical released on Christmas Day of 2005, is called Deus Caritas S, God is Love. And he states very early in that encyclical that the church has three principal missions or purposes. One is evangelization. Number two is liturgy, that is all the worship and sacraments of the church. And number three is charity. That is a fundamental mission of the church is the works of charity. And uh, so we learned that. I, you know, I spent uh, you know, 25 years in Michigan devoted to evangelization. And I used to go door to door in the dormitories there, you know, evangelizing students back when you could even get into a dormitory <laughs> and knock on a door without having a key or something, you know. And uh, so I, I had spent all this time doing that. And then when I began working at Food for the Poor and began to meet the poor, I started rereading Matthew 25 that you quoted from earlier. Whatever you do for the least of these, you do for, my, for me, for Jesus. And it dawned on me, hey, wait a minute. This is the final judgment. Where's the question about did you have faith and did you get baptized? Huh? It says, did you feed the poor, give drink to the thirsty, visit the sick and in prison, clothe the naked, shelter the homeless. You know, those who didn't do that were sent to hell. And they said, well, when did we see you naked or hungry or thirsty or shelterless or something and not help you? And the great king will say, when you fail to do it to the least of my brothers and sisters, you fail to do it to me, for me. Go therefore to the place prepared for the devil and his angels. And I was shocked when it suddenly dawned on me. And then I came to understand as I studied the scripture more, what's going on here? Jesus in Matthew 7, he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but those who do the will of my father in heaven. And if you study the scripture and say, well, what's the will of God for us? You can't miss the fact that helping the poor is just always number one. When John the Baptist was said, we've been baptized for repentance. Now what must we do? And he says, let him who has food give to him who has none. If you have two cloaks, give one to your neighbor. In other words, true faith has to be shown by acts of love toward the poor. And so what's going on in that scene in Matthew 25 is the final judgment is testing you know, the final test is, did you have true faith or was it just words? Right. If you did, you fed the hunger, gave drink to the thirsty. It's phenomenal. The test there's, of there's, faith. There, there's so much that I, that, that I want to say there, Jim. It's unfortunate we only, <laughs> we only have one show. But it's, but it's so important. Um, I, I think along the lines of what you're saying and what Joe alluded to earlier about about you know Joe mentioned you know don't you know what you see on TV when you think you see the plight of the poor if you're not there and you, you're not, you know you don't have it you're not seeing it with your own eyes you know 
Um, we look at the poor as an abstraction. That's what I mentioned earlier is that I think the poor are exploited. People who talk about the poor like Hollywood types probably have never you know, really experienced um, and seen firsthand this poverty. And I think um, – and the, the other part of what you said is this, and, and I don't understand. Maybe I'm just a you know, dumb goomba from New Jersey. But I don't understand all of those people who are who are people of faith. That's all we hear in America. It's so it's so uh, like this amorphous blob, like people of faith. And if you ask somebody, what does that faith mean? What did James say? James said, show me your faith without works. What you just talked about, Jim. I don't know how anyone could suggest that you are going to heaven on faith alone. And I don't want to get into a theological conversation, but I don't understand as Christians, a general category of Christians in America, you think you're going to skate into heaven simply because you said you believe, but you didn't help that poor person. You didn't do anything for that poor person. And the Catholic Church, that's why we possess the fullness of the truth. Yes, faith comes first, but then that faith is manifested in the way we treat others. And what you're doing in your organization, which Joe's going to get into some of the nuts and bolts about tangible dollars you know what you guys have done across catholic outreach joe i'm gonna i'm gonna hand it over to you because i think it's amazing well i i there's no doubt we'll jim just you know for uh purposes of cross catholic outreach they've distributed 3.3 billion dollars it's probably even more than that to 33 countries 299 projects across the world super impressive and i want to talk about the evolution of that but i want to comment on something you said I think it's fundamental to do what you said through the understanding of the Eucharist. See, the missionaries of charity go to adoration every day, and they see the Lord in the Eucharist. If you could see God in a piece of bread, you will surely see him in your neighbor, and you will respond. You see, this is how we do it. And I think that's why we're not doing it. There's a hardness of heart. We don't see the Lord. Like, obviously, we're behind the veil, and the holiest of holy person doesn't see God the way we will one day, God willing, in the beatific vision. But if you make it a practice to sit before the host that's consecrated, you will see God in others. You will treat people differently. You will love them differently. Talk about that. Adoration translated into loving your neighbor. Well, I can tell you a story of a woman that I, I know in uh, Trinidad. And uh, she founded a ministry down there that is just phenomenal in terms of helping the poor. And I asked her you know, how this came about. And she said, and she's a devout Catholic, you know, she said, well, you know, I was helping out uh, with a homeless shelter and there was a man there who had sores on his feet and, you know, and so I was, I was kneeling down in front of him and trying to, trying to wash his feet and cleanse them and put some medic, uh, medicated ointment on them and all of that. And I looked up at him and I saw Jesus looking at me and and I knew in that moment, I will give my life to serve these people because I saw Jesus looking at me in the eyes of that man, that poor street person. So I think there are a lot of people that we work with who have become missionaries or dedicated their lives to the poor because they saw Christ in the poor. And they, they said, I will give my life. I think of a nun that I met in Ecuador she was, a, she was a high school student. She volunteered at the St. Vincent de Paul Hospital, which takes in abandoned children. <clears throat> and uh, while she was there, <clears throat> they brought in a little baby that had been thrown out on a trash dump and rats had eaten at its feet and uh, fingers and toes. And they, and they gave it to her to hold and to try to feed with a bottle. And uh, when she... Uh, saw that little baby like that she did she said I, at that moment i i said to god i will give my life to help children like this and so she became a nun and she's devoting her life to helping those kind of children that's experiencing christ you know, in the poor and the helpless 
That's amazing. It's, it's nice to say it's, it's just absolutely amazing. Jim Kavnar is joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasolo, Joe Rosanello, way in the breach on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network. Um, let's just outline a couple things. I mean, you, you know, um, so Cross Catholic Outreach, you, you've supported more than like 300 projects, 33 countries, disaster relief, education, food, housing, medical aid, uh, orphan and child care. Clean water, as we mentioned earlier, micro enterprise, trying to maybe get some get some things going on the ground there, get some people to be able to, you know, uh, you know, earn a living and, and start to build up their, 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 you know, their economies. Africa, Asia, the Caribbean, Central and South America. That's amazing. I, 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 we're not we're not just saying that 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 is that is absolutely amazing. Um, but here's what I find impressive. We might not be able to get into this um, before all of it before the break or your full answer. Uh, and that, if that's the case, fine. But I remember back after 9-11, there was a lot of problems. People were given to charities and that money was not getting you know, or it was being diverted or going to this group and to that group. And people were saying, well, no, I wanted to go to the people that 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 need the money. I'm not interested in giving the money to some lawyers. Now, what's impressive about Cross Catholic Charity is that based on a 2020 annual report, 95% of the funds received go to program services with only 5% in administrative expenses. See, I think people, Jim, right now, they sometimes they mistrust charities. When I hear numbers like that, yours is a charity that I could trust because I know that the money that I'm given it's going to the people that need that. How on earth are you able to keep those expenses down and 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 make it where my my dollar, ninety five cents of my dollar that I'm going to give to you is going to go to the people that need it? Well, one of the, one of the uh, things you need to understand is that our distribution of aid includes not only direct cash assistance but also material aid. That is, we ship a lot of medicines and food, particularly a, a particular kind of excuse me, <clears throat> a particular kind of enriched rice product that has high protein. Okay, so those that's all part of our aid. But to talk about this credibility, that was a key thing. When I started Cross, I was one of the co-founders anyway. When we started Cross, one of the things I wanted to do differently is I wanted to make it possible for people to give to a specific project, know their money went there, and get a report on how that money was used. And before we even had an office, I got a call from a donor that I had known me in the past. He said, hey, I heard what you're doing. Could I help out? And I said, sure, Bill, what you have in mind? He said, well, how about 35,000? And I said, oh, that would be a big help. <laughs> and, uh, and so he said, you know, Jim, I trust you, but I give a lot of charities. I always feel like my money goes into a black hole. I never know where it goes. So I said, well, we're going to do things differently. And we do, and I'm told all the time by our donors, you're the only charity we give to who tells us exactly where our money went. We enable donors to give to, then go on our website, give to a specific project and get a report on that project. And our first, our first $2 million gifts came from donors. And when I asked them, why did they choose us to give a million dollars? They said, because the reporting said, you give us the best reports of any charity I support because you tell me where my money is getting used. And so we made that a, a basic fundamental foundation of our organization. And to this day, we're very faithful to that. Well, that that is something I think is important, like you outlined. It's important to a lot of people. They want to know, hey, look, there's, Joe mentioned earlier, we as Americans, we are generous people. We are willing to give. I think that the numbers bear that out, okay? Again, I don't have them on, at my fingertips, okay? Uh, but yeah, but we want to know that, as you mentioned, Jim Kavnar, the money's not going into a black hole. We do have to take a break, but before we do, can we'll do this again in the next segment. Jim, where could people learn more about cross-country, uh, excuse me, cross-Catholic, um, and, uh, and where could they donate? Go to crosscatholic.org, and at crosscatholic.org, you'll, you'll see right on our homepage, it's, a, it's about the Ukraine, but then as you scroll down, you see our other projects, and you can make a donation there, and you can look at the catalog of some of our projects. We don't put them all up there, and pick specific projects you want to give to. That's great. 
That's great. Jim Kavnar, President Cross Catholic Outreach, is joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network. We are going to take a short break. Remember, though, all of you out there listening to us, download the Veritas Catholic Radio Network mobile app so that you can have access to all of our station's content. Share our podcast, too, all the podcasts, Bishop Frank and others, Frontline with Joe and Joe. Um, so there is a, a podcast link on the website. Share it with your friends. If you like what we're doing up here, uh, you can live in Alaska and listen to uh, the Veritas Catholic Radio network so it's a beautiful thing this technology and we have to use it to spread the truth of the catholic faith to the entire world in the meantime we have jim kavnar here at the front line with joe and joe we're going to take a short break we'll be right back don't go anywhere hey listen to all five of our original veritas shows every wednesday at noon you can catch let me be frank where bishop frank caggiano talks about spirituality church news, and fun stories from his Brooklyn childhood and his life. You can hear The Frontline with Joe and Joe every Tuesday and Thursday at noon. Their guests include the biggest names in the Catholic world, and Joe and Joe talks to them from the perspective of the everyday Catholic. Thursday nights at 8 o'clock, tune in for the only late-night talk show on Catholic media anywhere. It's Not That Late with Liv Harrison. And at noon on Friday is Restless. It's four millennials talking about, well, life as millennials in today's crazy world. Yes, it's possible to be young and Catholic. Right after that, at 12.30, you can hear the focus on Veritas, where we put the focus on good works and the good people doing those works. Those are the five Veritas shows, and there's more on the way. Stay up to date at VeritasCatholic.com or on the mobile app. Welcome back, everyone, to the front line with Joe and Joe, Joe Pasillo and Joe Resinello. We are way in the breach on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial, spreading the truth of the Catholic faith in the New York City metropolitan area. And we are very pleased and honored to be joined by Jim Kavnar. He is the president of Cross Catholic Outreach. Um, and this is just one of those Catholic conversations that we love to have because we're talking about service to our Lord through service to the poor. Um, and with that, and that's what Cross Catholic Outreach has been doing. Uh, and we're going to talk more about it. So with that, I'm going to hand it over to Joe Resinello. Water is life. We all know that. I mean, you don't have water, you die. Whether you're in New York City or whether you're in the desert. I mean, you don't have water, you die. Um, clearly, we we take that for granted here. I mean, I want to take a shower, I take a hot shower. I turn on the faucet, water comes out. Um, that's not the case, as you said in the other segment. I could remember in Calcutta walking to mass at 6 a.m. in the morning through the streets. People are bathing in the gutter, in the gutter. In Haiti, I could remember seeing children. You don't go to school unless you have money. Their kid's job is to get water for the family. They're walking up a hill. That's all they're doing. Five-gallon bucket, getting water. Talk about your projects, water projects, because this is a fundamental. People don't have water. They don't have life. Hmm. So we have water projects all over the world. Uh, right now, we've been particularly focusing on some of our projects in Africa. And, uh, you know, we're working in hundreds of different villages and communities, you know, through, again, through partners on the ground. We're not sending Americans to do this. There's a, a particular missionary priest by the name of Father Fabian. And uh, I went with him up to the northwestern part of Africa, of Kenya, called Lodwar. That was the most desolate, driest place I've ever seen in my life. Uh, I mean, there was just nothing. You know, I don't know how people, human beings can even live there. And uh, they were undergoing a terrible drought, you know, and they, there's just no water. They subsist by raising animals, you know, goats and cows and things like that. They sell those for cash. They uh, milk them for milk. They butcher and eat them for food. And, uh, you know, so all of that, excuse me. Okay, so all of that is, uh, you know, is all of that 
uh, food is, and I mean, all of that necessity means that they don't have access to water. I went with, uh, with them to see where they're getting water. They had dug a hole in a dry stream bed. They were probably down about 15 to 20 feet. And there's a little pool of brown water down in there. And, uh, you know, the women and girls who carry the water all over the world. Here is it's women who dug this hole and who were, you know, handing buckets down like a bucket brigade, scooping up water out of this little hole and passing them back up for people to feed their animals and all. And that water is contaminated and they get right. sick from it. So we, we put in just in that area about 30 solar powered wells, deep water wells that don't go dry in the dry season because otherwise, you know, they're, they're six, 700 feet deep and a solar powered big water tank and anybody can come up there and not only can they fill their buckets, but they have a trough, they can open the tap and fill the trough with water for their animals. And they have goats, cows, camels were the ones that I saw there, you know, and give them water. And, but the dangers with water, as, as we've said already, are the contamination and the disease. The number one cause of child mortality in the world is waterborne disease, children drinking contaminated water. Every 15 seconds, a child dies of waterborne disease. And they, they have no choice. They have no other water. So we, we some of our projects, like in Central America, uh, you know, the, the, the uh, missionaries there and the priests and lay people that we work with, drill the well, that's done by a professional well driller, but then they pipe water to every house and all those trenches are dug by volunteers in the community. They mobilize the community to dig a trench. Everybody gets a faucet at their house with clean water. You know, and they've got 10,000 gallon tank, you know, solar power pumping the water up. But in Africa, Father Fabian told me up there in that Lodwar area that when that first well went in and people got the clean water and they, it was clear, they didn't know what it was. They had never in their lives seen water that wasn't brown and cloudy. And they had no, they didn't know what this was. They he had to explain, this is clean water. This is what it's supposed to be like. And that's that's just a shock to realize that. Absolutely. And, uh, absolutely. So it's amazing. pretty much everywhere where water is an absolute necessity. Yeah. But, but Jim Kavnar joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe, Cross Catholic Outreach. Um, I, uh, I mean, it strikes me then that obviously you have this 10,000 gallon tank, you have a solar powered pump, you could put faucets in. Really, a lot of a lot of what's going on. We mentioned earlier. I mean, there's always that institutional corruption, the corruption of the governments that can prevent, let's say, good things from happening. But a lot of this is a matter of will. We just have to. We just. I mean, we have to have the will to go and dig a trench, so a pipe could go in there. To set up that, you know, to 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 take the time, our 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 treasure, our energy, um, and 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 just and go in there and help these people. That's amazing to me that these people never even saw clear clear water. Yeah. Like yeah. It, it's it's unbelievable. And we need as Catholics, as we mentioned, this is a Catholic program. We need as Catholics. Look, if you can't get away from your family, Joe's got five kids. I have one. We have bills to pay and everything else. Okay, but if you can't, that's why groups like yours are there. Because again, the trustworthiness of it also, as we mentioned earlier, that I know that if I'm giving that money, it's getting to the people on the ground who are who are who are affecting positive change. So I just wanted to say that, Joe Resinello. I want to talk about evangel uh, basically evangelizing the world through helping the poor. <clears throat> I have found the best evangelizers, and I I've been Catholic my whole life. Went to Catholic school, Christian Brothers High School, Jesuit College. I go to Catholic church. No one does it better than the missionaries of charity, in my view. It's my opinion. Why? Because you see what they do. I'll tell you a story in New York City. A woman lives in a boarding house. Her name is Sarah. Lives horribly, filthy. The sisters on a Saturday cleaned her house. That's what they did. They didn't catechize her. They didn't 
preach to her. They didn't tell her her life was bad. You're doing wrong. They cleaned her laundry and her house. When you do that, that opens people's eyes. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And that's why they're successful. People all of a sudden are attentive to what you say when they see what you do. And that, I'd like to hear your comments. I'm sure you've seen a lot with regard to that. Because if you ask me, that is the most important way, an effective way to evangelize the world. Oh, yeah, I have seen some. In fact, uh, that area I just talked about, that Lodwar area of Kenya that was so dry and desolate, you know, we've put in about 30 wells so far. Uh, the pastor up there is a society missionary of Africa, SMA priest from Ghana. And uh, so he's an African, but he's in Kenya. And uh, he told me, he said, you know, we've been started putting these wells in, you know, now that we could provide the funds for it because they didn't have the money. And uh, they put the wells in and they said, you know, now the Turkana people, those are the people that live in that area, the Turkana. If you've ever seen these pictures of the women with all those beads around their neck, holding the neck up, that's the Turkana. And uh, he said, they're coming to us and they say, our gods have deserted us. Look, look at the plight we're in. Look at our desperation when we die of starvation. You know, but your God seems to love us because he sent you and you're helping us. Tell us about your God. He says they're just flooding into the Catholic Church there. I, I went with him to one of the outstations of this parish. We, we drove an hour and a half, you know, and uh, to get to this outstation. And uh, he said mass. And at that one mass, he baptized 20 people. Wow. And uh, he said they're just flooding into the church. And it's the witness of love manifested in that, those activities and providing water and all that has caused that. That's, that's absolutely amazing. I, I, it's one of the things that Joe and I have said, you know, from the time we started doing this show, um, we try to emphasize even just to, you know, just the Catholics in America, good people, prayerful, going to mass, start getting involved with, like Joe mentions, the missionaries of charity. There's, there's dozens of orders out there that are feeding the poor every single day, every day. Get, they, they, they go out there into in, in the terrible, horrible uh, you know, circumstances in some of these neighborhoods. And yes, they're, 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 they're evangelizing in that way because they're, 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 they're showing the, the, you know, the, the face of Christ, these people, through their service. Okay? And I'll tell you what, I used to tell the CFRs up in Harlem, because uh, I'm in Arizona now, but my wife and I, before COVID, we would go once a month up to, uh, you know, with the CFRs. <coughs> And I tell anybody, if you want to grow closer to Christ, go hang around with those women for a while, like Joe was alluding to with the missionaries of charity. I used to say all the time, I'm coming here to help them and feed the poor. No, I'm selfish. I'm, I'm here because it's helping me to grow in holiness being around these people. You know, there is, there, there is that effect. That love that you show comes back to you a million times over. Talk about that a little bit, Jim, that, that yeah, we all need, no matter where you are in the, in the faith, we all need to grow in holiness. We, uh, to, you know, to the day we die, like Paul said, we have to run the race till the day we die. Being around these people who are feeding the poor is very, very helpful for us and for our souls. Comment on that a little bit. Oh, yeah. We said from the beginning at Cross that we were going to, we wanted to be the bridge between the Church of the United States and the Church of the Poor. And from the Church of the United States, we have the wealth. We can bring resources, cash, you know, food, medicines, things like that. But the Church of the Poor have faith. As, as James says in his epistle, God has made the poor rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom of heaven. That's right after he upbraids the poor for not helping, uh, the, the rich for not helping the poor. So we try to bring back to our donors the stories of the, the faith of the poor and <clears throat> tell about their life of faith. And when I take people over there, take donors over there to meet, I always try to do it in a way that they have an opportunity to sit and talk with people or be part of their groups or something like this. And they always come back saying they have far more faith than we have. We, I thought I was coming here to bring help. I'm getting more out of this than there I can possibly give. 
let me give you just one example. In one of the dioceses in, in Guatemala, we've done a lot of things. Well, this was a first time that we were gonna be doing a water project, putting in a well, like I described. And so we asked the uh, priests there we're working through in the, the diocese of Santa Rosa de Lima, you know, uh, you know, do you need this? And he says, yeah, let me, let me introduce you to some of the villages that I think have the greatest need. And so we go up to meet this one particular village. And uh, there's a couple there who organize people to kind of come together and maybe 20 or 30 people. Most of the men were out in the fields, you know, trying to scratch out a living. And, uh, and so this couple gets up and they tell us, you know, we're in really bad shape here. Says, you know, we don't have water. The women spend seven to 10 hours a day standing in line to get water from this very meager stream, you know, and uh, said, so two weeks ago, we decided that we were just so desperate we had to do something. So we organized a 24 hour prayer vigil in our little chapel over here for a whole week. We prayed and fasted for a week and had somebody in the chapel 24 hours a day praying, fasting that God would send us help. And now here you are. That's real. You see, people like, that is real. That's another thing. People say like, ah, oh, what is this guy talking about? No, no, no. God provides. You know, what I have found, and I'd like you to comment on it. When you stick your neck out for God, he always comes through. And I always say God works in the space of sacrifice. Sacrifice from a practical perspective. As Catholics in America, we are to be open to life. Jim, I'll be honest with you. I'm not a rich man. My wife and I both work very hard. I have five children under eight. I got married late in life. I don't know how I'm going to educate these kids. I don't. But I'm open to life because I trust God. You see, the world does not understand that or never will. They'll call you a fool. They'll call you a fool for what you just said. You fasted and prayed. Why didn't you go to the shop right? Where's your money machine? No, God could do anything. And talk about, you see, what I think it is, I'll be honest with you, it's when you sacrifice. Mother Teresa used to say, for love to be real, it has to hurt. You see, it's not about just saying, here's a dollar. It has to cut into you a little bit. But when you enter that space in life, you will encounter the Lord. Just like you just said, I've to a degree have experienced that. Talk about that because that's real. And that could happen right here in the United States. Oh yeah. You're, you're talking about divine providence. When we obey the Lord and devote ourselves to him in prayer by his providence, he provides you know, and that's what you ex experience and what you expect to experience because our, of our faith. We trust God that, as you said, as you're open to life and the Lord provides children, God will provide the means, you know, as long as you're faithful to him. Let me tell you about uh, one of the ways that, that is expressed in our organization. I'll tell you about one of our patron saints, St. Isidore, the farmer. And Isidore was a farmhand on a, a wealthy estate, you know, just one of the farmhands. And uh, the owner began to hear complaints that Isidore was leaving the field every morning and not working, and then he'd show up later. And so he spied on Isidore to see if this were true and found out, sure enough, you know, he stopped plowing the field and went down to the little church in the village, you know, down the road. He was there for a while and probably went to mass and prayed and on. Then he goes back to work and the guy's about to chew him out when he notices there's an angel plowing next to Isidore. And when he spies on Isidore at other times, he, he finds out that Isidore is in the church praying and there's one angel, sometimes two angels out there plowing his fields. So we have a saying around our office, while we pray, the angels plow our fields. And we devote the first hour of our day to prayer and spiritual formation. And when we've discussed, you know, do we want to continue doing that? It's a lot of time. Everybody agrees. No, 
while we pray, the angels plow our fields. Miraculous things keep happening, you know, that we, you know, we have no, no way of controlling. If for, for 10 years in a row, we've been getting a half a million dollar gift from an anonymous donor. Wow. We don't even know who it is, why he's giving or she. We don't know where it's coming from. A check comes from a bank or something to just with a letter from a bank officer saying the donor wishes to remain anonymous. And so I'll bring a copy of the check in and I'll say, hey, while we were praying, the angels were plowing our fields. We couldn't do anything to, to get this. It just happened. One, one time we were going to be raising money at a gala in Akron, Ohio for a program that we supported for children in servitude in Haiti. It's called Restavit Kids. Little kids, seven, eight, nine years old, get given to a somewhat more well-to-do family, but really barely by very poor families. And the idea is that, okay, they'll, they'll help you with chores around the home and you're going to feed them, clothe them, and send them to school. And most of them don't get fed clothes, so they get the leftovers and they're, they're basically household slaves. So we have, a, we have a program or we're supporting this program that's providing the afternoon school so you at least get an education and giving them a good meal every day. And uh, so anyway, my staff member, Michelle, is on the phone to the head of this gala in Akron. And he says, you know, Michelle, it'd really help if you could get one of your donors to give $100,000 I could use for matching money. I could get businesses in town to match it and, and give to the gala. At the same time that she's on the phone, her phone keeps lighting up. Our, our Haiti project officer, Mike, is calling her. So when he, she finally gets done, she says, okay, Mike, what is it? What's the big deal? And he says, I just got a call from a foundation we've never heard of. They, their foundation decided this year they wanted to devote themselves to child servitude issues. They heard about this program in Haiti, and they said, we'd like to give you $100,000 for the program, especially if you could use it as matching money for a gala. <laughs> That's God's providence. There you go. <laughs> we just have so many stories like that, you know, that if we're faithful to him, put him first in our lives. And I often say to my staff, the single most important thing I do every day for this organization is take my personal prayer time in the morning. Yeah, uh, it reminds me of uh, of Bishop Fulton Sheen when uh, he, <laughs> yeah. he, he had his hour of power. You know, he used That's to tell right. the seminarians, he goes, I'm more powerful than all of you because, <laughs> I, you know, because he's got the hour of power. Hey, and listen, I mean, we're, we're all, you know, it's unfortunate sometimes, you know, the distractions of life, but, you know, and I try, I try hard. I don't succeed all the time to make sure I carve out that time of the day for, for meaningful prayer, a good amount of time, not just a quick, you know, sign of the cross. It's hard sometimes, but we have to strive to do that because as you said, Jim, that gives you so much grace. Um, to be able to just, you know, be alone with God and then go out on, on our individual missions. We don't have a lot of time left, probably about eight minutes or so. I am curious, um, that old saying, you know, give a person a fish, you feed them for one day, you teach a person to fish for themselves, you feed them for life. What's a micro enterprise? Um, that's something that, that, that you guys do. That's uh, cross Catholic outreach, Jim Cavanaugh, uh, Jim Cavanaugh joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. What is a micro enterprise and what, what purpose does it, does it serve? Well, as the name implies, it means small business, you know, but it usually uh, company, it's usually something that's done with a small loan or a micro, you know, micro loan or something like that. And uh, this is something that's become very popular you know, in uh, poverty alleviation all over the world, both among Christians as well as, uh, you know, secular agencies as well. It was uh, this approach of micro lending or, or uh, you know, was developed by a man by the name of Muhammad Yunus, an economist in Bangladesh, and it spread all over. So, for example, in Haiti, uh, up in the one area of Haiti, we support a program like that. We give them the money, they lend it, the market ladies will take out a small loan, they'll go over to the DR, which is very close, Dominican Republic, very close to where this town is, they'll buy a bunch of products, they'll bring them back and sell them for more money and then repay the loan and now they've got a profit, you know, so they don't have any capital, so this is the only way they can get capital, you know, and uh, that enables them to, to do that. 
Now in Nicaragua, we support a microfinance program there that's really innovative. It goes along with training uh, people in train, training the subsistence level farmers in new crops that they could grow. And so they develop new crops like dragon fruit, an acre of corn and beans, which is what they all grow now, versus a, an acre of dragon fruit. You'll get five times as much money selling an acre of dragon fruit as selling an acre of corn and beans. But you need some money to be able to buy the trees, get them planted. You need to be trained in how to do it. You need access to the market. So that's what the organization that we're empowering there, you know, that's what they do is they provide the training, they uh, help them with forming co-ops so they can get to market and then provide them with loans so that they can buy the stuff that they need, the trees that they need and get it going. And that now they're able to make a lot more money for their families than just the corn and beans that they normally grew. So, you know, in, in the Philippines, we support a wonderful ministry there called ANCOP, Answering the Cry of the Poor. It's an outgrowth of a Catholic organization called Couples for Christ, which organizes couples into small groups, you know, to share their faith and pray together in their homes. And they have a wonderful outreach. So they developed the whole training system for the very, very poor, where they can, they got the best vocational training university or college or whatever it is in the Philippines uh, called Don Bosco, <laughs> you know, started by the Salesians years ago. And uh, they, they set up a mobile training center. They can bring it into the slum area where the people live, give them the training and get them the same certification government certification with which they can get a new job you know, and make more fun money. So they're lending the money to start their own little businesses, you know, but they're also providing training so they can do more things. You know, they, can, they, can, they can serve as an air conditioner, for example, now versus just riding a, uh, a motorbike with a little sidecar and carrying passengers around town. Awesome, so, that, so that's awesome. The training is really important. The loan plus the training is what is transformative. Awesome. Thank you for that, Jim Kavnar. Joe Racinello, we have about three minutes left. So uh, any, any final questions for Jim Kavnar? I think what you guys do is, you, from what I gather, from what you're saying, is you basically find boots on the ground and you work through them. It's a grassroots outreach. And I find that that's the, the best type of outreach. Um, yeah. And that's why, to be honest, am I right in that? that, that that's Absolutely. Yeah, our, we go in search of those who are helping the absolute poorest and who need resources. But, and, but I, I'd like you to also put a word to, to end the conversation to encourage people. Clearly, this is a great organization, and we encourage all our listeners to contribute to cross-Catholic outreach. It's fantastic. And there are many other very good Catholic outreach organizations. But you know something? We all can do something. Get out of the boat. You know— you, Mother Teresa would say this. She would say, if you can't feed 100 people, feed one. Just do something. We all could do something. Give us a word of encouragement. Obviously, we could give to your organization, Jim, and it's a fantastic one. But I think people have to just understand the grassroots organization is you. It's you. Do something because you can. Yeah. Well, remember the words of Jesus in Matthew 25, whatever you do for the least, you are doing for Jesus himself. Or think of the prophecy of Isaiah in Isaiah 58, you know, where they're fasting and praying for protection. And the prophet comes in and the words of God is, you know, I don't want your, your fasting and praying what you're doing, because during the day you, you deceive people and rip people off and abuse people. It says, what I want. This is, the, this is the fast that I want, that you bring the homeless poor into your house, that you feed the hungry, that you release the bonds of the enslaved. You know, this is what God wants of us. And this is what each of us has a responsibility before God. And God will pour out his grace upon us. He, sa he said to, to his disciples, don't store up riches on earth, you know, where the moth will eat and the thieves break in and steal store up riches in heaven by giving to the poor. That's an amazing thing. 
you store up riches in heaven by giving away some of your money, your assets to the poor. And so all of us can do that. All of us can store up riches in heaven. And it doesn't matter how much it is. I mean, think of Jesus commending the widow who gave, put in the only two coins she had. He's, mm -hmm. She's given more than all those other people who put in a lot of money. So yeah. all of us can do that. And you're right, Joe, that you can also, uh, you know, personally help somebody, bring someone into your home when they need. Jim Kavnar, where can people uh, find out more about Cross Catholic Outreach and where can they more importantly contribute to what you're doing? You go to crosscatholic.org. There's our website. You can read all about us and you can find specific projects that you can make a contribution to. Crosscatholic.org. And look around. If you look at our impact, you'll see all the stories of all kinds of things that are going on right now that you could help with. Thank you so much, Jim Kavnar, for coming on the front line with Joe and Joe. We really appreciate it. And we're going to be praying for you and your organization and the work you're doing. Uh, so thanks again. We want to thank you all out there for joining Joe and I and the Veritas Catholic Radio Network. 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial, spreading the truth of the Catholic faith to the New York City metropolitan area. Please be sure to download the Veritas Catholic Radio Network mobile app so that you can have access to all of our station's content. And if you'd like, follow Joe and I on uh, on social media at the front line with Joe and Joe, the front line with Joe and Joe on YouTube. That's our primary social media outlet there. Uh, and thanks once again. And remember until the next time that our conversation is your conversation and that conversation is going on everywhere. We'll talk to you soon.